With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Bosch at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go on there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk, joined, as always, on our Thursday program by former Giants linebacker Jonathan Casillas. It's all brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. JC, what's going on, bro? Nothing much, man. Good to be here. So, slow news the last few days. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a whole I'm not even talking about the Giants. I mean, just in general. Bill Belichick, gone. Yeah. They just had like a five-minute press conference, didn't take any questions, and he got the hell out of there. Uh, <laughs> Pete Carroll will no longer be head coach of the Seahawks. Uh, Mike Vrabel, no longer head coach of the Titans. I mean, you could throw Saban in there, too. Nick Saban, Alabama. exactly. Mm-hmm. No longer head coach of Alabama. And I put this tweet out earlier. Throw all those coaches into the mix. Sean Payton leaving the Saints. All these great quarterbacks that have retired over the last three years. Eli, Brady, Breeze, Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers. In the last three years, going back to the t- January 2021 to January 2024, the amount of seismic change we've had in this league is is really off the charts. And the league just looks so much different now than it did four or five years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's a different style of football, too. Yep. You know, the, the game has changed. The on-field play has changed. The quarterback play has changed. The offensive schemes have changed. Yep. The defensive way you tackle has changed. So, But I'm sure if you look at like, <laughs> like like a promo for the playoffs or whatever, all the faces you saw in those promos like in 2020 and right. 2019, they're all gone now. Yeah. Or, or, or on different teams. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I agree. Yeah. All it, right. It's crazy how the turnover in the league works and we're like I think in the middle of one of the biggest turnovers probably historically wise for the NFL. Yep for quarterbacks and coaches that ran the NFL for the time that they did. It's amazing. But mm-hmm. let, let's get to the news with the Giants, which is more pressing. Um, after a couple days of what's going on here, the Giants and Wink Martindale um, agreed to part ways. You guys saw the details about in terms of what the agreement was online from the various reports. The Giants are not confirming any of that stuff. If you want to call up and ask about it, you certainly can. Um, and, you know, we know all the back and forth that happened. We saw all that. You want to call up and ask about it, that's fine. The Giants are not commenting publicly on any of that stuff. But most importantly, JC, what now? You know, we talked the last couple of days, and we can get into that with you too. We need a new strength. Giants need a new strength and conditioning coach, need a new special teams coach, need a new offensive line coach. 
need a new outside linebackers coach, need coach. a new running back coach, and now you can throw defensive coordinator on the list. So let's start here with defensive coordinator. We've seen what this Giants defense has been over the past two years, and I think this is why I think it's particularly unique, right? And that's because Wink's unique. There's not another Wink Martindale. It's not like you, you know, you had some guy that ran Vic Fangio's system. He leaves. You can find another guy that runs Vic Fangio's system, right? You can find another guy that runs the old Legion of Boom cover three system. You know, the Gus Bradleys, the 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 Dan Quinns, all those guys. There's another Wink Martindale out there. Like yeah. nobody else runs what he runs. It's pretty unique. So it's not like you can just say, all right, well, we're going to bring in a guy to run the same system now. I suppose if you go in-house with an Andre Patterson, a Jerome Henderson, you can keep some of that continuity, right? So what do you think the path forward is here? Because we've spoken about here, and the Giants have talked publicly about how, you know, Wink really worked well with the front office staff to explain to him the type of players that he needed and wanted in his system. Well, those are the guys they brought in. But now Wink's system might not be here, depending on what they do. So I think it's a real interesting thing to figure out how the Giants now move forward and try to put the puzzle pieces together to figure out what works. Yeah, I mean, given the, the I guess, how it went down, it wasn't a firing. It, it was a, a mutual a parting, mutual of, the ways. parting yes. of ways after only two years, unlike the other mutual parting of ways up in New England after 24 years. It's a little bit different, a little bit abrupt. Um, but at the same time, it's like, who do you put in place of, 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 of Wink Martindale, who I think, you know, you know, defensively, the Giants have, I mean, all around team-wise, the Giants are out of the playoffs for a reason. But defensively, you can hang your hat and say, okay, defensively, they were looking good at times this year. At times. And I think that's the key, right? You look at the overall rankings, it's been better than the offense now, given what the offense, at least this year. Last year, the offense was actually ahead of the defense in mm -hmm. terms of, like, EPA per play and things like that. But, you know, you had some bad moments too, right? You had the inability to stop the run consistently. Consistently which is all year. That, two years. That mm -hmm. goes back to last year yep. too, right? And then you have, I think when you play some of the better quarterbacks, maybe the whole the whole blitz thing doesn't work quite as well. I think against Jalen Hurts it worked pretty well. Yeah. Matthew Stafford it was okay, but then the Dak Prescott's of the world, he, he kind of, you know, the Miami Dolphin game, they kind of tore I mean, you up Derek a little Carr bit. Derek Carr too. Right, yeah, yeah Derek yeah. Carr also, right? So there were some good and some bad, but I think – Given some of the issues they've had over the course of the year, especially losing cornerbacks, I think Wink has done a pretty good job. Absolutely. Uh, except, for, again, for that, that Dallas game was was a star. You know, that did not go Week well. Week one, you're talking about. No, I'm talking about the second oh, game. Oh, the second game. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about the second game yeah. where they Dallas had 600 yards of offense in that game. Yeah, it was bad. I think he has – we've seen moments this year where his scheme has given opposing quarterbacks a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, but Sorry move, for interrupting. You. No, you're good. All right, moving forward with the Giants, they may they may not want they might want a stark contrast to Wink Martindale. Like you said, he was involved upstairs. Maybe they don't want that. Maybe that's not something that they want. Maybe they want a guy that they can plug in and it's like you be the coordinator and we'll we'll bring you to pieces. I don't know. I'm just saying. You know, because no, there are different ways there's a reason why right? Wink sure. is out. And yeah, you know, I mean I don't know. I don't know the details exactly. I don't know if everybody anybody will actually know exactly the detail and why Wink was like, Okay, my time here in New York is done. I don't know. But at the same time, I for for, for one thing, the Giants have talent on defense. They got some young players, but they have talent on defense. They have a very dominant player in the middle who's an all-pro player. Which should work in any system, by the way. Like, yes. De Dexter Lawrence is system-proof, okay? Yes. Just put him over the center and let him go. Right. Not complicated. Yep, yep. And we'll <laughs> see what type of scheme the defensive coordinator that, that comes in runs. But number one, I think 
whoever their Giants are looking at right now or, you know, will potentially look at, they got to have a good track record, you know, put together a good defense statistically that carries over from year to year. And then I think the number two priority for finding a defensive coordinator is development of players. You know, I think offensively, both both sides, I think offensively and defensively, uh, the last couple of years, you had a, a lot of young guys playing. You know, uh, Banks starting corner, you know, coming in. McLeod played very well yep. uh, in, in the system, especially later in the season. And how about last year? Um, oh, shoot. the uh, Fabian Moreau did a nice job mm-hmm, when they brought sure him did. in last year. Where is he? I'm sorry. Where did he Random. wind up? You know, he did wind up Because he played some good year. football yes, at did. times last Where year. Where did he wind up? I'll check that. But that's, that's I think, the two main things. you got to have Denver? a great track record. And then also, also you got to be able to develop yeah, younger players or just players in general because, you know, it, it, we said this this year coming in. It's a great thing that they kept both coordinators because it's another year under the system. Now, defensively, they're going to have to learn a new system. Whether it's similar to what Wink ran with you know some of the guys that he has brought underneath him or somebody totally new, the, the defense have to learn a new system. And yeah. when you're learning a new system, you got to literally learn everything. Like stuff is stuff has carry over. Well, do me a favor. It, it, explain for fans what yeah. it's like for a defensive player when a new coordinator comes in. Yeah, because, I mean, because I'm sure you've been through it. Just as simple as simple as calling the defense. You know, like open G fours. Like that's a call to where you you call it to the open side. G is a stunt that you put uh, or a technique that you put on the defensive line and fours the coverage. Like somebody else might call that saber. And it's a one-word <laughs> thing that you got to remember. It's totally different than open G4. You know what I mean? Like, it's totally different. And that's just the terminology, let alone the scheme, let alone the details and all of the different, you know, intricate parts, the moving pieces that go about calling defenses. So it could be totally new. It could be something similar. There is some carryover, like cover three is pretty much cover three. Cover two is pretty much cover two. But even that, you know, uh, Cover two ran when I was in New Orleans. That backside uh, uh, seam dropper, he had to carry the two vertical. And that's not really like that in other cover two defenses. That's interesting. So even little details like that have to be ironed out because cover two, you probably played it totally differently. Uh, every year you've been elite. And, and even cover three, you can have, you know, some guys have the cornerbacks play a little bit more towards the seam right. rather than outside. So you can adjust that too. It's all spacing. Everything's different. You know, some things might be similar to what you've known, like walking in, like, I know how to play cover three. It's like, okay, this is a little bit different than a cover three that you're used to. Terminology is probably going to be different all around. You know, so it's a big learning curve uh, whenever, uh, you know, and hopefully they get them in the building sooner than later Mm -hmm. uh, just to get everybody acclimated. Because I said this a lot coming into this year that not only were the players, uh, uh, their second year going into Wings defense and Kafka's offense, but the coaches, the coaches are their second year or whatever going into Wings defense this year. And when you have a coach, the defensive backs coach, the linebackers coach, like some of these guys don't know the system of the defensive coordinator, right? And they're learning that on the run too. So there's a learning curve that's going to happen no matter who you bring in. And by the way, uh, and for me. And again, nobody cares my opinion. These guys upstairs know, I do. know a lot better than I do. Well, no one that matters in this building cares about my opinion. <laughs> I don't matter. Pierce, damn, son. Damn. JC, hate to tell you, <laughs> nobody involved in any of these shows in the bigger screen, in the bigger picture scheme of the organization matters much. So why Don be calling me all the time? <laughs> <laughs> you matter to him. <laughs> you matter to him. That's why. Um, <laughs> um, 
But where was I going? That's right. <laughs> I kind of like the idea, mostly because I respect both guys and I think they're really freaking good at what they do. Patterson and Jerome Henderson, whether it's one of them, Jerome Henderson's the Giants defensive backs coach for fans that don't know. Andre Patterson is their defensive line coach. Um, I think, you know, Andre Patterson was a co-defensive coordinator before. He's been in the league forever. He played in wink scheme, and then he coached under Mike Zimmer, which is a completely different type of deal. That's yep. your old school 4-3 type of look where, you, you know, you double mug a lot and you kind of do things like that. And there was still a lot of man-to-man on the back end of those Mike and, Zimmer defenses. And the point you're making, if you run a 4-3 defense, you got to bring in different guys. I'm getting there. Body types are different. I'm getting mm-hmm. there, 100%. And then Jerome Henderson, we all know he's a good secondary coach. He's a really good to be coach. I think he bonds with players well. Both those guys are still under contract, right? Um, unlike some of the other coaches that were let go, they are still here. If they want to hand the defense to those two guys and tell them to go to try to maintain some level of continuity, I'd be a thousand percent okay with that. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Now, if you don't go in that direction, and this now getting to your point, right? I'm going to throw a name out of a guy just because he's not under contract anywhere else, so I can't get fired for tampering. <laughs> Let's say you decide to go into Brian Dable's past. In fact, I'm going to make sure he's not under contract with anybody right now because I don't think he is. But let's say if you want to go back to Brian Dable's past, right? And Who was a defensive coordinator of mine at one point. For the Bills, <laughs> right? Leslie Frazier. Now, Leslie Frazier, who doesn't have a job right now, he's a guy that is widely respected around the league. He's been doing this a very long time. His scheme, polar opposite of what Wing Martin right. Dale, right? Very conservative. Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of zone. Right. and. And we'll get to the front in a second, but let's start with the secondary because I do think that's the bigger difference here because coverage to me is always more important than, than what's going on up front, though. With the Giants' front defense, maybe it's not. But in terms of how the Giants have this back half built, right? Deontay Banks was drafted to be a press man corner. Yep. You remember a guy like Leslie Frazier in who goes, oh, no, I'm playing more zone. I want to keep things in front of me. I want to be a little more conservative. How do you think a system like that on the back end would impact what the Giants have in the back half? And then feel free to get to how it would affect the front as well. Well, like I said, there's always going to be new wrinkles and stuff like that. But when you talk about, like you said, almost like a polar opposite of who Wink Martindale was and who his scheme was and how he approached the week-to-week game plans, Leslie Frazier is more of a cover two zone, cover four, cover six guy. And everybody... It has to fit that scheme as well. So you're not looking for guys that play great man-to-man coverage. You're looking for guys that have great zone coverage. Now with great Banks' zone eyes. physicality, though, I could see him being a good, a good cover two corner, I right? I think Banks is going to do because well in any system. Because he beat the guy up at the line of scrimmage. He's so big and physical. Yeah, but I think he'll do well in any system. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the way he plays the game of football, the way he approaches it, and from any everything that I've heard from him that, you know, he's a student of the game. So you think he's system proof? I think he is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and by the it's, way, it's just me speculating right now. And by the way, he did play press man at Maryland in his final year there. But I remember we talked to his either head coach or defensive coordinator on the Giants Little podcast earlier this year. And he pointed out before the most recent DC got there, someone, oh gosh, who was it? But it was someone from the old Bears cover two tree was there with him. So his first few years in Maryland, he actually did play a lot of zone. So that is in his background at least a little bit. That's good. That's good. Because it, it is a little bit different. You know, it is a little bit different. Especially when, you know, you can hang your hat on what you do so well, which I know Banks does. You know, he's a very confident kid. I know he hangs his hat on, I know I can cover guys man-to-man. 
Yeah. But it's like, yeah. Wait, which, zone, which, by the way, you are going to need on third down anyway. Because everyone's yes. going to play man-to-man yes, third on, and short, on, on third and mid, yeah. third and mm-hmm. short. Mm-hmm. 100%. But what, with that all being said, you know, I'm excited to see who they bring in here. Because once that person gets inserted, it's like, all right, now, is this roster going to fit what type of scheme this guy runs? How much do we worry about, and, and I know I don't, and maybe you're going to tell me I'm an idiot. I mean, given how much sub teams play now, how important is four three three four anymore? Given how much nickel teams are in, with this basically four down guys anyway. Not not as much, but you gotta have like, for example, when you run a the defense that the Giants run. A lot of times, the Giants run, especially against teams that they know they're gonna run the football. They run Dexter head up, and they run like a three down lineman with two edge players, right? So it's almost like a five-man front. Yes, Mm -hmm. and those guys are like nine techniques and stuff like that. So they could be on the outside, you know, and they don't have to be big, huge guys. You know, they can be Kayvon Thibodeau size. And Aziz Ojolari size. Yeah, guys that aren't that big. Guys that are 250 pounds. But when you go to a 4-3, that guy gets bumped inside. He's usually inside a tight end, outside a tackle. Where you have 270 pounds. They're a little bit bigger. They're more JPP Mm -hmm. size. You know, and that's a lot. Justin Tuck size. Right. They're a lot bigger and different size. So as far as, like, the, the overall, like, structure of the defense, you know, this defense fits, this, the, the personnel on this defense fits Wink's scheme. Does it fit everybody's scheme in the NFL? No, it doesn't. But you can bring in players and you can move players to fit your scheme. And that's what they will do. When they bring in a new coordinator, they're going to collectively get together and they're going to say, we need this guy because we don't have this type of guy on this defense. And we need him. You know, we mm-hmm. depending on, of course, what type of scheme. Or they might bring in somebody similar to what Wink did or in-house guy that ran some of Wink's stuff or will run some of Wink's stuff, and you won't have to do anything in terms yeah. of personnel with the roster. Okay. Well, um, well, there's always an upgrade, which is the draft and free agency. I, I, I understand your point. Right. A couple of other key players, and I'll throw things at you. You stop me if you think I'm off the wall. I think Pinnock's fine in any system. He's so good around the line of scrimmage as a safety. We've seen him make some plays in the back half. I think Jason Pinnock could fit whatever you're looking to do. I don't think he's ever going to be your lone single high guy in a heavy cover three scene, but I think he can be a split safety, right, in a cover six, cover two, cover four. I think he can be close to the line of scrimmage as a guy that, you know, is is the, you know, down safety in well, in a cover three. Line. My only knock on Pinnock is overall uh, for him was his tack- his consistency consistency of tackling. Which is not scheme dependent, by the way. Right, <laughs> right. But I feel like what he did very well was play the ball. Yeah. And when you're when you have when you're playing zone, more zone than man, which right. is opposite of what Wink did, your eyes are on the quarterback. Right. And Pinnock definitely fits that mold for right. sure. And otherwise you're gonna have a lot of turnover in the secondary if you want, right? I mean Xavier McKinney's a free agent. We don't know if he's gonna be back. And we know we had the whole thing between McKinney and Wink earlier this year. Does that now change that equation? I don't know the answer right. to that. Adore Jackson's a free agent, right? So you're going to have to figure out who your other starting corner is anyway. And, I mean, you could always have had Vic McLeod do it. He did fine stepping in, but is that a guy you want to bring in? Uh, is Cordo Flott your slot guy? That's another position where you can bring somebody in. So I think the secondary, is my point, JC, is pretty malleable. So whatever yeah. they end up doing, there's going to be changes anyway, or you could keep guys. So you're going to have options to, to, to adjust that as you see fit. Up front's a little bit different, right? And the main guy is Kayvon Thibodeau. And Aziz Ojolari, I'll throw in there as number two. Because when he's healthy, he's still an important piece for you as an edge rusher, right? 
How do those guys, or can they, go from being more of a stand-up guy in wing system? Those guys rarely had their hands in the dirt in wing system, right? Even when they were part of a four-man front, they were usually standing up. Yeah. If they had to play in a system with their hands in the dirt, talk to me from their perspective how that might change their role aside from the type of size stuff you talked about earlier. I mean, that's one of the main things I think about when I think about a uh, outside linebacker in uh, whatever this three four overhang type of defense that the, that Wink ran. Odd front versus even. Front, right, right to yeah. uh, you know mm-hmm. basically a four down you know three linebacker conventional three linebacker set where you know I would see Kayvon fitting as like a Sam linebacker you know with, where you're you're not having him drop as much but you're mostly on the ball are you taking too much of his pass rush ability away though in that role no depending on what you want him to do you know like that that that's you get some rush on third down obviously right right yeah that like i would want him on the ball like i don't want him i want him sam linebacker almost in the under front and have him over the tight end so it's not i'm not changing his position do me a favor explain for fans what him being an under front over the tight end actually means so fans understand what you're talking about right so uh Closed open, depending on what the the call is. So uh, I'm going to try to label this out for you. You got the center here. You got the guards. You got the tackles. And then let's call a tight end here. So let's say closed left. So tight end's on the left side. Tight end's on the left side looking at it from the defense. Yes. So under front, there's the the techniques of the defensive lineman. There's a a one technique and a three technique in in these conventional four threes. And the one lines up between the center and the guard. The three is between the guard and the tackle. Yes. Mm -hmm. So – having an under front is having that one technique is basically over the center and the three technique backside. So that that's a little bit of a bubble. So the three technique away from the tight end. Yeah, that's an okay. under front. Mm-hmm. The bubble, which is like the big space from the guy that's over the center to a guy that's lined up outside the tackle. That's a big bubble there. What you would do is put that linebacker, instead of having him off the ball, you move him up on the ball outside of the tight end. Got it. So then you would basically have your defensive end, which would probably be more, uh, what, like almost like a six-tech because you're going to be so far outside. Exactly what it And then you would have the linebacker off the edge of the offensive tackle over the tight end. Or four technique, really. Okay, Yeah, four technique. Yeah, so that's the under front. Over front is a three, six, and a nine. And then theoretically, you would put your defensive end that's a little bit stouter and a little bit stronger on that side, right? Because he's not playing... And then you would have your pass rushing defensive end on the same side as your three technique and more of a nine technique. Most likely, off of that yes. Tackle. It depends. I though. Got you. Yeah, it all depends on if you rotate and ends. some ends stay, you know, to the sides, or some ends moved, you know, according to the call. So that keeps them. That would keep Thibodeau then at on his position, the ball basically, as a edge setter. Yeah. On that side, where he's not doing as much dropping, but then he theoretically could have man on man responsibility on the it's tight, a tight end, end, right? Yes, for sure. So like, like I, I don't. Like for me, like going into this, like this conversation that me and you having, I wasn't prepared to answer this question because this is something that you got to sit down and break down every single player, depending on what scheme you're running. Of, of course, course, sure. You got to go go through every single player and say, do this player fit what we think we can do? He can do in our defense. And when you bring in a new defensive coordinator and they bring in a whole new scheme, they're they are going to do that a hundred percent. They have to. This this roster is going to get reevaluated. When a new coordinator comes in, like Wink stays here. Let's say Wink is here right now today. They're not looking at, oh, where do we need to put? No, they already figured all that out. They're like, okay, who could we bring in to fit this mold? Yeah, they already acquired the guy in knowing exactly what they wanted to do in the 100%. System. Right. So mm-hmm. now it's like whoever comes in here, they got to kind of read through, re go through the whole entire defensive roster. 
to see if this guy fits into the scheme that I want to run for this team. Could you also theoretically, let's say, and again, you know you're not in your base defense much. It's only 20% of the snaps. That You could also probably put Micah on the edge there, right? As, yeah, he's as, not a big as, guy, as, though. You know, he's not big, yeah. but he is physical, and yeah. he is better on the line than he is dropping back. And I would think Okereke. I like him more in space, though. You more like okay, off so the ball. You, you will put him on the weak side yeah, then. Because he's not, for me, I don't think he's that long of a guy. Sometimes. No, he's not long. You're right about that. Sometimes he's tight. Like, the, the worst block for a linebacker on the, on the ball, which I hated, but, you know, and I'm talking about Trent Williams coming after me, <laughs> was when the tight end blocks down and the tackle reaches. That is one-on-one with the tackle. Yeah, the old Ted block, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. with no with no type of uh, momentum. So I'm 225 pounds That's a problem. going against Trent Williams, and he's this close to me. Like, if I got a running start on Trent, I'm going to put my money on me because I got my athleticism, I got my speed, I can use my power. I don't have none of that when we're this close. Yeah, and then you can also blitz then Michael off the weak side where there's not as much traffic because the tight end's not on that side, right? Exactly. So right, that makes sense. I'll so buy that. I, the, the, the defense, I think, when you bring in another defensive scheme, when you go from this 3-4 basically to a 4-3, the linebackers are kind of interchangeable, especially the middle linebackers. I, see, that's I was going to say. I think Okereke is scheme-proof also. We right. saw him run a 4. He was in a 4-3. Yeah, he'll be fine. He's good. I'm not yeah. worried about that. Even Micah and uh, even Isaiah Simmons, because they're like kind of middle linebackers, not really playing on the ball. I think Isaiah Simmons would be a better Sam because of his length, you know, and his athleticism on the outside. He can cover tight ends. Point and, of attack on the edge, though, could be a problem. Yes, it will be because they're both they're little guys. No, they don't. The Giants don't have big middle linebackers. Like Okereke is not a big guy. He's about two thirty, right? Probably yeah. two thirty five at most, right. which is when you don't have no momentum and you're going against a guy that outweighs you by hundred times hundred pounds. Unless you're like Michael Parsons, who's played that position all his life, like it's very hard for you to win that. And he's 250. You know, it's not, he's not 230. That 20 pounds is a huge difference, you know? And the Giants right now, they don't have, I don't think, a real like three, a four, three defensive end like a JPP. Like they don't have that 270 to 80 pounds, 6'5 type of guy that'll play that six technique, that play that four technique. Like a Cam Jordan. Like Cam Jordan, when the Giants moved from a 4-3 to a 3-4, Cam Jordan was big enough and athletic enough to play inside and outside. So he can play three, he can play four, he can play five, he can play the seven, he can yeah, play six. Yeah, playing that four-eye, it's tough. I mean, you could put Nacho there. You're not getting a lot of pass rush out of that right. spot, but I guess you could put Nacho there. But other than, I mean, Jihad Ward could, you know, he's 270. Yeah. He might be able he, to play that spot. He might be the only he guy might, on the he's roster. He's the closest guy, yep. right? Probably. Yep. And he's a free agent, too. Remember, he's Wink's guy. And he's Wink's guy. So would he right. come back? I don't know the answer to that either. Does yeah. Wink bring him wherever he winds up? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. No, you're right. That 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 traditional four-eye defensive end. And four-eye, by the way, guys, that means you line up on the inside shoulder of the offensive tackle. Yes. Correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's kind of how it works, by the way. You have zero, one's in between, then two's lined up straight on the guard, three's in between the guard and the tackle. I means inside, shoulder, when, yep. you, when you look at stuff. Just just so fans understand the nomenclature so you're not like, what the hell what are these they guys about? talking about? <laughs> but, uh, dude, that was awesome. This yeah, is yeah. why we like having you on the show. Dude. Yeah, that was a really good breakdown. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about the DC stuff before we get to um, the balls? Well, like I said, I'm just interested to see who they bring in because then it's like, all right, this guy runs this scheme. Like, Leslie Frazier. Leslie Frazier comes and like, all right, the Giants have to move a couple players. They have to figure something out because they need right. conventional 4-3 defensive ends. So that, that would be the biggest add 
in 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 that in in that type of system shift, that to you would be the thing you would have to add the most, right? Uh, yeah, just because personnel wise, you got to have the right guys playing, body size wise, body type wise, you mm-hmm. know, playing, you know, and like me, like I went from four uh, three in in New Orleans. Well, you played the will, right? Which I played mm-hmm. weak side off the ball linebacker. Mm-hmm. Then I went to a four three Sam linebacker in Tampa, and then I went to a three four middle linebacker in New England. Then I'm back to a four three in New York. Wait, wait, they wait. What in New England? They were four three. They were. I said four three. Yeah, three, four. yeah, three, three four. four. That's what three, I thought. Yeah, you were yeah, with three, Big Vince Wilford. Yeah, inside linebacker, right? Yes. Did you have the green dot there or no? I no, did. Right? Yeah, one game. Oh, you yeah. did for one game. One okay. Game. Yeah, because I mean, I was, I was, uh, it was Hightower and Jamie Collins, and then uh, I think Hightower was out the last game about against Jamie Buffalo. Collins. Talk about bigger linebackers. But, and that's the thing. So this <laughs> is the crazy part. So that year, I got, I got, I got traded. So I was in, I was in um, Tampa where. Mason Foster played middle linebacker. He was like 6'2", 240. And Levante David was young Levante. He was 228. And running around like 230. Safety, right? Me and him was like the same size, you know, playing. And that's why you had to go to the Sam, right? Right. Because, I, I mean, nobody, trust they, me. They weren't Let me tell you Levante. something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I wanted to play Will when I got to Tampa because I didn't know who Levante was. He, he was his second year in the league. And then he laughed at you. And then, no, no, no. And then I watched film and I was like, oh, I'm not playing Will. <laughs> Not a, not with this guy playing football. Levante David, if I, if he's not a first ball Hall of Famer, they don't know what they're watching. He's so underrated. He's so good at football. Like and when I got like, there. He's still good. Yeah, he's still good. And he's year 12, I think. He's still good. Or 11 or 12. Um, but what was I, the point I was trying to make? Uh, oh, you having to go to Sam. Yeah, right, yeah. Just, just that. But the difference for me playing off the ball in a 4-3 to on the ball in a 4-3, it was a big difference. It was a big difference. I got beat out for the spot. Because Dakota Wat- Dakota Watson, he was 6'4", 240 pounds, and he had really long arms. So the he lock could lock out yeah. against guys. I would kind of get swallowed up a little bit. But I get here in New York, and I'm playing Will Linebacker, finally playing my natural position again after like six years, and I flourish. You know, So the Giants might be in a little predicament with some guys, not the right body type, body size, and, and by play style, in that first year because they don't have everybody built for that defense. That's what you might have to figure out after this first year if you bring in a D coordinator that does a different scheme and requires different body types than what Wink did. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the phones. 201-939-4513. Don't forget, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. Go subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast, everybody. A lot of good podcasts up there right now. My uh, conversation with Sean O'Hara, we recorded it, unfortunately, before the Wink News came out, but we kind of hit <coughs> detailed on all the other coaching changes the Giants made and what he would look for as a player uh, at those different position coaches. He focused a lot on the offensive line coach, which was great. Um, he talked a lot about the configuration on the offensive line, what player changes he want in the offseason, uh, the special teams coach. He went into the strength and conditioning coach, too. I want to get your take on that, too, late in the year. What, what's it important for a strength and conditioning coach? Uh, go check it out in the Giants Huddle Podcast. That's brought to you by Citizens. Favorite podcast platform, Giants.com slash podcast, Giants mobile app. We'll have a lot of coverage on Giants Huddle throughout the offseason. BBK is still five days a week. Giants Huddle is going to be two days a week, some weeks three. So make sure you go check it out and subscribe. All right, let's get to the phones. 201-939-4513. We had a lot of good calls yesterday. Let's keep it up, folks, and lead off with Hugo in New Jersey. Hugo, what's going on? Hey, good afternoon, guys. What's up? Uh, Hey, I want to start off by talking about uh, the two players who I really um, 
think, create uncertainty and complicate the uh, off-season plans. Oh, okay. and, and I'll start with uh, I'll start with Daniel Jones, and you know, everyone talks about his injuries and his injury history. I have a slightly different take on it. Uh, I think you know you can start gathering information about where Daniel Jones is in his rehab, and there's a lot of data out there, and you can compare where he is versus certain benchmarks and other players. Sure. Uh, who, who you know? So you could take MRIs, you could listen to the training staff, all that. Could he be your opening day? At at some point, they'll have a, uh, I think, at least directionally, a pretty good view of whether he could be the open opening day starter. They'll have an idea, but at the same time, Hugo, you never know when rehab slows down for a player either. And also, will, will they divulge that information? Yeah. No, they won't. Obviously, yeah. no, they won't. Yeah. No, Hugo, you're right though. It, it, I got it, you. It, I hear you. It, 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 it's it's definitely not an exact science, but they'll have some data. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. I got you. What 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 they won't be able to observe, and and it's something that I'm much more worried about, is the psychological damage that's been done to Daniel Jones because of the beating he's taken. And you know, you hear things like his clock was all messed up, and he was bailing out of pockets too early. You won't see those things until you actually get on the field. In competition, yeah, and then you're right. If, if that's if that's like a permanent issue, um, and, and by the way, I must say, I, I think that's almost never reversible. I think the only guy that reversed it that I saw was Jim Plunkett. And we're talking, <laughs> you know, and, and, I've and, seen though, I've seen really good quarterbacks, and heck, we saw this with Tom Brady even later in his career when the offensive line went south. We saw him get really sped up early in some of those seasons, get messed up, and then he kind of recovered from it. Again, I'm not comparing Daniel Jones to Tom Brady as a player, yeah. but I, I do think players are able to reset in an offseason, and when they come back, you can kind of rebuild that confidence. Remember, you're playing a lot of seven-on-seven seven in the offseason. Nobody's hitting you in practice. Uh, JC, don't right. you think the quarterback in the offseason, especially if he sees the guys in front of him in, pro in practice blocking better, don't you think the quarterback can kind of reset that clock a little bit in the yeah. offseason? I think during the season, he go to your point, it's tough. Once it happens in season, I think it gets really hard to reset that clock. Yeah. But I think you can do it in the offseason. Yeah, I, I think so too. And and if let, let's say Daniel Jones starts the year and he might be, you know, feeling that a little bit because he's not as confident in his leg or his knee, I should say. Um, and then also he's been out of football for a while, so he's not used to being like people around his feet and stuff like that. So you might actually see that though when he comes back, you know, and and I don't think that when he first comes back and he might struggle because you know he's been out for so long and he's coming off an injury. I don't think that's how Daniel Jones is going to play the entire year because when you first come back, like I've I know this because I've been through injury. When you first come back, that first kind of like contact day, and then even the first game where you're like, you this is your first time you're tired and you're hitting people when you're tired and and you're a little bit you know, uh, uh, more tired than you remember being like year prior, um, you know, and you might struggle, you know, playing wise when you're out there, you can come back from that. You know what I mean? Like you can come back from that. It's not like, you know, a guy that's like beat up too beat up to where mentally he can't get over that hurdle and he can't change his game. You know, so you got to get comfortable playing with this new knee that you have because Daniel Jones, he's not getting like a whole new knee, but it's a new knee, meaning like he can't do and he can't do certain things that he used to be able to do, and and that may not be like in terms of like running like a four or five or anything like that. It just may be like 
oh, I'm not as powerful when I step off and plant and throw to the outside. Or if you're scrambling, you can't fire off that leg to, yeah. to scramble away and, from a defender, right? And the people like myself that was always hurt and was able to extend their career, you just learn how to play with this new body that you have. And that takes a little bit of while to do that. It's usually not the first game. It might be a little struggle the first game. So the reason why I'm saying this is if Dan- when Daniel Jones comes back and he's thrusted into the starting lineup because Dayball and Shane already said he's the starting quarterback whenever he is healthy, he might, he might not be the Daniel Jones that we remember running around in 2022, but that's not to say that he can't get there in a few games halfway through the season, but you kind of got to have a little bit of patience with him. you know. Or he might come out and be – a guy that understands that he's not the mobile guy that he used to be, or he can be. I mean, he could be Adrian Peterson. There's only we only someone he's seen one person do it. Adrian Peterson won the MVP after ACL, but most likely Daniel Jones is not going to be the same. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's up to Daniel Jones to show us, because I've seen guys respond. I mean, Frank Gore had three crazy knee injuries and he played for like 15 years, and he had these in college. So he can come back. And Gore did change the way he played, though, right? He wasn't nearly as explosive after those injuries, right? So if if Daniel Jones can adapt to this new Daniel Jones, because he's probably not going to be that same exact explosive guy that we've Mm -hmm. seen, and I even throw Saquon in there. This year, Saquon, even last year a little bit, when Saquon came back last year, he was falling on the ground a lot. He was always falling. That's what happens when when you come back off a knee injury or a lower body injury. Your, your balance is not always there. Then as the season went on, he got better and healthy and got better and healthier, and he wasn't falling on the ground anymore. Saquon, I think if he ran a 4-3-5 or whatever the case was when he was coming out of college, I think he maybe run like a high, like maybe a 4-4 now. But he's still good. He's still explosive. He's still powerful. But I think he's learned how to play with his 4-4 body and not the 4-3-5, which is not that bad far off, but some people can't make the adjustment. Saquon did. And look, I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to struggle coming out the gate. I expect him to because I've just seen it so many times. But then as it goes on and as he gets more comfortable and he starts identifying like where he's at physically because I mean you even saw with, with Kyler Murray coming back this year his first couple games he didn't look he like had to, himself yep, he had to kind of get after you know get back into like okay I'm not this 4-4-5 four, four, guy I'm maybe a 4-5 guy now and I got to do things a little bit differently and if Daniel Jones because anything that I got from Daniel Jones I think he's a he's a smart guy and he's one of the toughest guys not even quarterbacks he's one of the toughest guys in the league so mentally he's there physically it depends on where he's at week one or whatever he ends up playing but then also give him a little bit of grace and give him a little bit of time to get back to or at least identify this new Daniel Jones that we're gonna see because you got to give him time to figure out who he is you had something on Evan Neal too Hugo I, I did, and I had a bunch of other stuff, but uh, I'm sorry, Hugo. Week, but no, 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 it's fine. No, no, it's fine. No, you know, uh, injuries are unfortunate thing, and um, but I, I, one, one concern I have about Evan Neal, it, it's sort of a, it's almost like a circular reference, right? He needs to get healthier to play better, but I'm also wondering if he has to play better to stay healthy. And what what I'll reference is, you know, these ankle knee injuries. Could it be a function of his poor balance and footwork? Look, 
Max Crosby long-armed a lot of people around the league, but not all of them go flying and break an ankle. So it's almost like a chicken or an egg kind of problem, I think, with Evan Neal, right? Um, That's a good point. So so I, 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 I don't know what to make of it. If he doesn't, you know what, if he doesn't improve his play, my guess is he'll get re-injured, and then you just can't keep using injuries as, as an excuse at that point. Okay? You can so, turn up, yeah, you and and I'll, I'll check in with you next week because you did a couple of um, huddle uh, interviews, so the one with Sean O'Hara, and I'll reference the one with Salman Wilcox. Yes. kind of aligned with some of the things I was thinking about. So I'll get back to you next week on that, and you've done great work. Yeah, on that Hugo. Stuff. Luckily, we have. Thank you. I appreciate that. Luckily, we have a whole off season to have all yeah, these yeah, conversations. Yeah. We got good, a lot of months. To, points to, too, to, though, to, Yeah, I thought so. And look, that's a big part of this offensive line coach thing, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if I mean, look, I'm not. I, I don't know what they're thinking upstairs, but if Evan Neal came out this year and had the second year that Andrew Thomas had, I think there's a much better chance that Bobby Johnson would still be here. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, that's. Developing these young guys is and having the offensive line better as a whole, and obviously having a really good right tackle would have helped that. And of course, the injuries with with Evan Neal had a huge part of that too. You know how much could Bobby really work with him once the season started this year because he was always banged up but always hurt, right? So that's part of it too. But his development, to Hugo's point, is a huge deal in terms of how you view this offensive line, how you build the offensive line, and how effective it's going to be. Is going to depend on how good Evan Neal becomes and yeah. how well this new offensive line coach, whomever it is, will be able to develop him. Yeah, and he's going into year three. Yep. He's played 23 games, I believe. Yeah, I'll so he's, check he's that. definitely missed a significant amount of time. And Hugo, that was a good point that he made in terms of, you know, a guy uh, playing to keep himself healthy if he's playing more efficiently. 22 games, Reverend Neal, pardon me, 22. In two years. Yep. Wow, so he missed 12 games? Is that my math? And that, and that includes the two playoff games, by the way. So, Oh, wow. So in regular season games, he's actually missed 16 games. Oh, wow. No, yeah, I'm sorry. 17 games, not 18. So 14 games. 14 regular season yeah, games. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Um, but that he, Hugo made a good point. And, you know, Evan Neal, you know, he, he probably had, from everybody on the roster, I think he's had the most hurdles because he couldn't really stay healthy the first two years in the league. On top of him, whenever he was healthy, he really didn't perform well. You know, so number one, Evan Neal has to get healthy. Number two, he has to be able to stay healthy when he's out there. And that's the only way we can really give him a good, like, diagnosis of what he really is because as of right now, we don't really know. You know, the question is, I don't know. You know, like, how good is Evan Neal or how bad is Evan Neal? We don't really know because he's been hurt so much. And I know that takes away from even when he's healthy technically, he's still a little something going on. You know, and Kayvon Thibodeau, last year is his rookie year. Kayvon Thibodeau had his knee brace, his knee messed up uh, during the half of the season. And you can see that affected the way he played. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's just how it is, you know. And Evan Neal, playing right tackle, left tackle, you're going against the most athletic guys in the world who can bend, who can dip, who can push you around like a, like a Crosby. And you have to have both of your legs – like 110%, not 90%, not 80%. You got to have 110%, especially because you're a huge human being. Evan Neal's like 340 pounds, you know, and, and you push a guy, I don't care who it is, you push a guy with a bad leg that's 340 pounds, he's going to topple over, you know. So hopefully we can get that guy healthy to really see what he's about. As of right now, for me, my like diagnosis on him is like, 
I don't really know because he's always he's been hurt the whole time. And it's like, do I knock him for playing hurt and and not playing well? I remember times in my career I played hurt, and that's the reason why I retired because I felt like I was hurt too much. And even though I'm not technically injured, I'm still out there playing, but I look like crap. You know, so that's a little bit of what Evan Neal's kind of going through. It's like, yeah, he might be technically healthy, but he's really not healthy. Like he's maybe 70%, 80% when he's out there. And I think that goes into what we saw from him. Yeah, he might be better than what we saw, but he was always hurt. He's been hurt for two years straight. No, look, I'm 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 with you. Um and he's gotta get healthy and hopefully that'll improve his play. And if he gets improved balance in the offseason, hopefully he's gonna be able to work out a lot on that with his ankle. We'll have to wait and see. All right. I apologize by the way for getting for your call so late. I didn't realize I went a half an hour with J C on the defense stuff. I thought it was I was frankly very engaged on it. I thought it was really good. So I apologize for not getting to your calls earlier, but I'll try to get as many as I can these last fifteen minutes before we say goodbye. Donnie and Queens, you're up next. Donnie. Yeah, actually, my call was about, uh, you know, Wink leaving, and you kind of kind of basically covered everything I was going to say, and, and then some, to say the least. Uh, so, you know, I'll stick with the, the, the Daniel portion, uh, you know, conversation. And, you know, for me personally, I'm over the Daniel Jones experience. This was his fifth season, and the best quarterback play I've seen in those five seasons was the play Tyrod Taylor had this year. Uh, you could debate that. You can nitpick that and, and say maybe not, but I think, you cannot dispute that. There's certainly not a $30 million a year difference between those two players. So Daniel's now had, he's on his third head coach, multiple offensive coordinators. They've shuffled in receivers. They brought in uh, different offensive linemen. But, but the results have stayed on the offense. Uh, so, you know, uh, you know, Jonathan's saying before, you know, if he comes back, maybe he can't rely on his legs. Well, if he can't rely on his legs, there's nothing left. That, that, that's really all he's had. As a player, um, you know, I'm very curious as to why Tyron has been able to drive the ball downfield more in his what six starts as a Giants quarterback than I think Daniel has in his entire time here. So, uh, well, no, well know, I'm not I'll, sure. Well, no, Danani, hold on one second. The Giants were top ten in EPA per play offensively last year with Daniel Jones. Top ten in the league. Does that mean he's throwing the ball downfield? Well, look, there, there, there are different ways to that's move that's the ball. Tyrod Taylor is a better deep ball thrower than Daniel Jones. He is. I'm, I'm not going to argue that point. Hold on. It's yes. not even close, and he attempts to do it. And, and that's more of the thing is that Daniel doesn't even look to drive the ball downfield, right? And, and, and let's be honest, last year is an outlier for Daniel for, for the season. And you know what? I would also wish to what was his EPA against the good teams he's played in his entire career? It's been generally bad. Okay, well, now, uh, now in know, fairness, guys... if you want to bring up good teams and bad teams, Tyrod had some good games this year. His He had three games where he threw for more than 200 yards, okay? He did it against the Washington right. Commanders, who literally have the worst defense in football this year. He did it against Correct. the Philadelphia Eagles, who the last month of the year has had the worst defense, worst pass defense in football this year. They've been terrible. And then the other game was against the Rams, who were ranked somewhere around 20th or 22nd. So he also yeah, took advantage of some bad defenses, too. He didn't go up there and do, you know, play really well against awesome defenses either. In fairness, in fairness. Sure. Look, I'm not advocating for Tyron Taylor to be the Giants quarterback. No, okay, I got you, of course. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is when you, you know, Daniel's played against bad defenses in his careers too, and it's the same dink and dunk, and then he runs for a bunch of yards. Generally speaking, throughout his career, I mean, there's a large body of work here now. It's not, um, you know, a small sample size. So, you know, I'm just ready to move on from him, and I hope that the organization sees the same way because 
If not, we'll be looking at major overhaul. Well, okay, well, Donnie, year. I have a question for you then. How would you how, how would you like for them to move on from him? What is your game plan to move on from him in terms of I, I, because they still got him under contract for this year yep. coming up, twenty twenty four. Yeah, look, they're they're stuck with him this year, so that that is what it is. Um, they're gonna have to draft somebody or make a significant move in free agency or trade. Would you be willing? To, would you be willing to move up in the draft if you had to to get the guy that you want? As long as they believe in that quarterback, absolutely. Okay. No, I understand Fair you enough. can't force it, but I, you know, I know you can't force it. But obviously, if they come into the draft and they say, hey, "Look, we got two guys we really like, and we have an opportunity to go get them," you have to go get them. I mean, let's be honest: the, the team talent wise is so far away offensively, where the idea that they're going to like piecemeal this thing together and slowly get better on the offensive line, slowly get better at receiver, they, they need a, a four raiser at the quarterback position. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. I mean, let, let's be real. Look at the track mark so far of this regime on the offensive line. It's bad. Yeah, I mean, the, the line is in bad shape as it has. It was since when they got here, and they've tried. I mean, Evan has failed so far. We could discuss why he's failed. John Michael Schmitz did not play well. You know, could he get better? Sure, but he could also just not be good. You know, not all second-round picks are created equally. He was just as close to Josh Zudu as he was being picked at the top of the second round. You know, and Zudu, he wasn't good either. Marcus McKeithen. Not good either. So it's bad, you know, all around. And to me, they need somebody to come in here and raise the floor. That, that has to be the quarterback. So that's just kind of where I'm at with it. And, you know, we'll see where things go with the offseason. Appreciate you taking my call. You no. guys have a good day. Thanks for calling in, Donnie. We appreciate it. Here's the problem you're going to need more than two because I would be very surprised if the Bears do not take a quarterback with the first overall pick in the draft and trade Justin Fields, especially, you know, they just fired their coordinator, right? Luke Getzi's out. You're really going to bring then Justin Fields back in the year where you have to pay him and put him with another new coordinator? I don't know about that. I think I think for me, if I could rule anything out, I think the only thing the Giants won't do in this draft is move up. Because, Too expensive? Yeah, they're going to have to give up a lot to do well, that. And Well, here's the thing, JC. Who's moving down? The, I don't think the Bears are moving out of one. Washington's picking a quarterback, bro. Yep. They ain't moving. So is New England. New England's got to take a quarterback, too. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, you got three dudes yeah. gone. That's it. Top three, most likely. Now, is there a chance that maybe one of those three teams decides we're not going to pick a quarterback and you can move up and, and, and take the third guy there? Sure. What do the Giants think of the third guy that's going to be there? I don't know the answer to that. You know, moving up to four or five, I don't think that really helps you, right? right? If you can move up, you got to move up in the top three to get one of those guys, right? Yeah. So I, I don't know how that's going to work. In this year with this quarterback class, go back to what the Panthers got for Bryce Young last year. They got two ones, DJ Moore, like, and a two. The Giants cannot do that. And by the way, the Bears the Bears are going to want more. Yeah, 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 for sure. Because Caleb Williams and Drake May are better prospects than Bryce Young. Yeah. So they're going to want more. Yeah. You're looking at three ones mm-hmm. and like a Kayvon Thibodeau. That's, like, I, I that's think, crazy. That's the only thing I think the Giants won't do. I, they, I think they're good staying right there. I even think they're good at moving back a little bit to do the opposite of what I'm saying I don't want them to do. Like I don't want them to give up high draft picks in the next two years. I don't think they, the Giants could afford to do that. You know, like you can maybe do that when the regime comes in. And again, I'm if again if you identify somebody that you think is the next Patrick Mahomes and you go and you get him, you're never going to regret that. I understand it, but it's hard to do that in year three of your regime versus year one of your regime too. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? Yep. And it, and it, this, I mean, it's not sad, but 
the Giants are locked in with Daniel Jones for another year. Like, he is locked in. But this is a fact. The Giants have to bring in two more quarterbacks. They have to. Because only one quarterback next two months, March, when a new league, the new league, season league starts, whatever. League year, new league year. The new league year starts. Mm -hmm. There's only going to be one healthy quarterback on the Giants roster as of right now. When the Giants are on their first OTA in April, they have one healthy quarterback. And you need at least three. You need three. Yes. So the Giants will bring in two quarterbacks, whether it's they keep Tyrod, which is a possibility. Which Joe Shane said they, they're open They didn't to. rule it out, mm-hmm. right? But you have to bring in another guy. So if you keep Tyrod, you you will have to bring another quarterback, whether it's through the draft or through free agency. Or if you don't keep Tyrod, that's two more quarterbacks that you have to bring in because Daniel Jones is going to be out the entire offseason, not just OTAs, and he'll be back before. He might miss training camp, too. He'll have too. a shot at training camp. Yeah, he might miss training camp, too. And because it's a might – then you have to have two quarterbacks besides Tommy DeVito and the start of training camp. So the Giants will have two more quarterbacks on this roster, whether it's Tyrod, one of those guys, but there will be a new face at quarterback for the Giants. Not saying he's a starter, not saying he's he's even a, a backup, but the Giants have to bring in two quarterbacks. They have to. Yeah, and we'll see what they do. But Donnie, look, I, I totally get it. And hunting the star floor raising quarterback is a strategy that a lot of NFL teams do it do it here too. Man, it, I mean, but look, it's much much. Look, finding a quarterback in the league's hard. Whatever strategy you take, it, it's 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 just a tough road to be on when you're dealing with a quarterback with injury like the Giants have. And look what Jones. Carolina did too. Like Carolina basically gave up the whole franchise to get Bryce Young, and that's what you want to avoid, right? And C.J. Stroud is. I mean, after this year, C.J. Stroud is a lot better than Bryce Young. Oh, C.J. Stroud looks and like a top-ten quarterback And what they gave already. up for him, and they gave up Baker Mayfield, too, who's in the playoffs. And here's the problem, right? You give up all those picks, then all of a sudden, the situation around Bryce Young is terrible. Right. Because you couldn't use those picks, and picks. you trade away his best wide receiver. Right. And D.J. Moore. I, so he was left with bad protection. We're not in this no bad a spot as the Carolina Panthers, I'll tell you that right now. Yes, and the Panthers... First overall pick. You know, that's the thing. If you go, what were the Panthers this year? 2-15. and 15, At least you can usually sit there and say, all right, we got the first pick. Nope. Pick a really good player. That's, at least that's the consolation prize for right. being terrible. I mean, that's as bad, bad. a day. That, that's a rough and, I mean, like I said, their, their quarterback they had before that was playing for them is playing for a playoff team right now. This weekend coming up, Baker Mayfield. And their guy that was their head coach before this year <laughs> is the defensive coordinator for the team that has a bye in the NFC. Steve Wolves. So we're not in that type of position. But the Giants. <laughs> no, no. Thank God. The Giants are thank in, God. I think they're in a good spot in that to where, like, I don't think they're going to move up because, like I said, they, they'll have to give up too much to get to one of those spots. And the Giants need to bring in more talent. I think they do need a quarterback that can change the game. Can it be Daniel Jones recovering from his injury? It could be. If he shows anything what he showed us in 2022, within, I think, a better defense with better skills set on the outside, a revamped offensive line with a new offensive line coach, maybe Saquon's running the football. I don't know. Hopefully. Got my fingers crossed. Hopefully they can figure that out. I expect the Giants to do okay. When I say okay – I think right to the division. Cowboys, Eagles. Right now, this Eagles team, 
is not the same team from 2022 where they were the world beaters and they were the best team in the division. This year, they're broken. I don't know what happened to them, but they broke somewhere. I think San Fran might have did it to them. But the Cowboys. They might have. San Francisco might have. Yeah. The Cowboys, they they don't look different than last year. They look good. No, they might look better than last year. They look good, and they're talented. And they have young talented guys too. Remember the Eagles last year we talked about all the older right. guys that were starting to phase out. Yep. Now the Cowboys are going to have cap issues keeping all these young guys but I mean Michael Parsons is on a rookie contract. Trayvon Diggs is on a rookie contract. Deron Bland is Deron on a rookie Bland. contract. Yep. CeeDee Ram is on a rookie contract. Jake Ferguson's on a rookie contract. Like Two, those... two all pro offensive linemen too. That They're not rookies but they're, they're offensive linemen and all pro. Tyler Smith is an all pro <laughs> offensive lineman on his rookie contract. And Zach Martin and Tyron Smith are obviously older, but they when they're healthy, they still play great. So, so, yeah, so no, in terms of in, in, yeah, we're we're talking about still the division. That's why Oso Digizu, another guy, a defensive lineman, rookie contract, yeah, really good play. He played really well this year. Um, the Giants have to compete in the division. You know, yep. this year they did a little bit better in the division, mm-hmm. winning three games, right? Three games in the division. Yeah, three year? and three. Yep, three and three. Three games in the division. Two against Washington, one against Philadelphia. You know, but we we even said that, you know, last year too, you know, uh, in terms of the Giants, you know, doing something in the division. The Giants can, you know, you win your division, you make it to the playoffs, right? But that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about week in and week out, you're competing against teams from the NFC, whatever, North, NFC South. Like, you got to be able to beat teams outside of your division as well as keeping competitive in your own division. You don't want to have games like you had this year against Dallas, San Francisco, and Miami where you're getting your butt run off the field. Yeah, exactly. And like the first, like the Giants have to upgrade in several different positions to where when you walk into a game and whatever happens in that game, us, as you know, we're talking after the game as we normally do in the postgame shows, we don't, I don't want to keep having a conversation as, they, they fought some out of their weight class. The Giants have to structurally improve this roster so the other teams in the division are not out the weight class. Yeah, right. No, I'm with you, 100%. <clears throat> By the way, last year, just to be accurate, 11th in EPA per play overall, 9th in EPA per drop back. And that's expected points added for the fans that don't know. That's the kind of a overall analytic that looks at how efficient an offense Efficiency, is yep. play to play. Which is what you really want. Which is what you're looking for, mm-hmm. exactly. And that, that takes turnovers into consideration. It takes big plays into consideration. It, it tries to lob everything into one kind of big bucket. So it's a good broad thing where, you know, you're ranking ninth or 11th. Is it, you know, elite? No, but you're in the top third of the league. So that's pretty good. 201-939-4513. I'm sorry, guys. We're, we're being long talkers today. Uh, coach Marvin in Delaware will wrap us up. Hi, Coach. What's up, Coach? Happy New Year, John and you Jonathan. Too. Happy New Year, brother. Yeah, uh, I know I got a short time here. <clears throat> but I'll talk about the quarterback real quick. Sure. Um, I think all, all avenues are open with the team. And you know it and I know it. The teams are looking at everybody they possibly can. You don't want to give up a lot of draft picks, but guess what? They're still going to look at Kalen Williams and see what they can do with that. If they can get him, they can. If they can't, they can't. They're going to have to do all they do diligence against all these guys. I, my personally, only one I know that's going to be near where they are that's possible is Penix. You, you check him out and see what he can do. If he's the guy, he's the guy. If and and not, by the way, not. Coach Marvin, I think he is a day two pick. He is not a day one pick. Yeah, he could be. You can get him back then. I'm not saying he has to be a one, but, but I that's mean, where you can look Coach at. Marvin, I heard what you said yesterday. I didn't know about his injury history. 
I don't. I think well, they'll steer clear of that. Yeah, he the has injuries. a big injury. Well, I think he, he I think he got over that a little bit because he played two straight years. No, he did. He in in two, Washington, two, he was healthy for two straight years. That's correct. Right, right. He had those two knee injuries, which you have to concern. And but shoulder. Again, we, we, they, they're going <laughs> to do that anyway. I'm not saying he's the guy. I'm just saying they're going to look at him. They're going to give him a shot. Yeah. You, you also got – you can look at Russell Wilson. You want to go cheap. There you go. You can go Russell Wilson to carry over to whatever you're going to do with the quarterback. You also can look in the fields. You don't know what that's going to take or what they want or how you're going to pay them. But you can look at it. I think they're going to look at all of those avenues. And they should. And I think whatever this, whatever decision they make, I'm down with it. You can go with a, uh offensive lineman. You can go with a wide receiver. They, they open to anything at the sixth pick right now. And so I'm pretty confident in how they're going to try to build the team. No, me too. Um, the other story, uh, uh, Jonathan gave a great class on the, talking about the 3-4 to the 4-3. Uh, that worries me with Wink leaving. I don't really want to go to the 4-3 now unless you can get somebody. I think Baltimore's playing a 3-4. Uh, Are they playing a 3-4? Baltimore, right they have one of those variable fronts where you can't tell what they're in half the time. <laughs> right, right. Well, maybe some assistance from them. Go right back to that tree and bring somebody in. Somebody that's familiar with what Wink was doing, maybe bring somebody like that. I think Flores is pretty pretty good, but I think he's looking for a head coaching job. Something tells um, me that given what happened with Brian Flores in the Giants last offseason, that's probably not going to be true. in the cards. Yeah, that's just, not, yeah, again, I don't know cards. anything, but that would just be a guess. This no. is me speculating. I, 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 right. With my background, the DOJ, I would say, no, you don't go down that road. Um, and by the way, I, for the I record, I, I think Brian Flores is a really good defensive coach. So from that fun. perspective, but yeah, we yeah. all know what happened. Yeah. Let's you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know something out of the sky. I know it won't happen. Bring Belichick back to the Giants again. Let him learn the defense and see what happens. Something tells um, me Bill but, Belichick will find a head coaching <laughs> opportunity. Just yeah, saying. he will. <laughs> he will. But uh, I don't want to go to the four three because everything you're saying about who can play the seven technique. Uh, I mean, the nine technique, um, it, it, they just band-aiding it. And then you see that in teams where they say, well, we don't have the personnel this year. We've got to draft and bring in free agents next year to, so we can play those schemes. So you're going to have that scheme um, where you're going to have to wait a year or two to get everybody in that you want to yeah. play. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think anyone race. wants to wait another year or no. two. And just yeah, close, close. they so don't want to wait I agree. that. Yeah, I'm with you. You you. They're going to get run over, and people are going to still be complaining like worse than they are right now. Um, my last part is I want to congratulate Bill Belichick on a great career in New England. I feel honored that I got to meet him and shake his hand. That a guy like that to cross into your life, and all the thing he just said, he thanked me for the work I was doing as a youth coach because I was at a um, a camp in the um, in Gillette that was given by a friend of mine, uh, Andre Tippett. And Andre oh, that's cool. Grew up in the same, uh, uh, Andre Tippett, great neighbor. patriot, great patriot. Yeah, and yeah, he was an outstanding football player. He was just as good in high school. Um, so I just wanted to congratulate uh, Bill on that, and I was oh. honored to meet him. Thank you, Coach so Marvin. You guys take care. Yeah, thanks, Marvin. You too. Uh, real quick, Pierce. I know you. I know you want to go eat. I'm hungry too. <laughs> um, real, real fast. Where do you think Belichick winds up? Oof. Um, Commanders. Uh, Commanders will empty the bank account. 
I'll yeah. tell you that. <laughs> that order will empty the bank account. You got the Commanders. We got Tennessee. I know Seattle's open. I, I don't think Tennessee will want to go to after letting after go of Rabel. I don't think you want to go back to right, that trade. Right, right. And my understanding is that he's not really on Carolina's radar. That's what I've read from various insiders that kind of follow this. And then what, Atlanta? Chargers. Chargers. Ooh, with that quarterback. I think that's where Bill wants to go. And the Commanders have what pick? They have the second. So that's not bad either. Those are the two choices then, I think. Commanders, Chargers? Yeah, Commanders, Chargers. See, I think the lack of a quarterback with Atlanta, to your point, is a little worrisome. Agree. I don't think he's going to want to build up a quarterback. I agree. Now, unless maybe they can figure out before he goes there, like, oh, we know we can get Kirk Cousins or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Vikings want to let Kirk Cousins leave the way he played before he got hurt this year. But I'm with you, Pearson. I agree with that. I, I think Commanders, because you can, he can draft his guy, right? Or... I mean, I, I hope he don't go to the commander. No, me neither. I, I don't want him in the division. <laughs> don't you want him me? in this division. Put him, send him to the AFC West. <laughs> right. Hang really out in LA. far away from us. <laughs> when, and we're not going to see the AFC West again. I think till next year, the year after. Get out of here. And that'll affect. Actually, next year we have the 2025 Giants play the AFC West. So get out of here, Bill. Here, we don't yeah. want you in the NFC East. <laughs> Respect you. Don't want you in the NFC East. Real quick, rapid fire here. We're going to go through the games. Rapid fire. Cowboys Packers. Cowboys. Rams, Lions. Uh, Rams is hosting? No, no Lions. Lions is hosting. Uh, ooh, that's uh, Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. Dude, no, that was Jared ah, Goff going I to mean, L.A. Right, right, right. Oh, man. Um, that, to me, is one of the most intriguing game of the weekend right, for me. Yep. Um, Lions. All right, you got chickened out on me. Eagles, <laughs> Bucks. The Bucks, man. The Eagles is broken. I'm going Bucks on that, too. And yeah. I'm going to go Rams in the Lions game. It's just okay. a gut feeling that I have. And Lions fans tend to get their heart broken at every opportunity, right? It just <laughs> seems to be what they do. Uh, and I think Dallas will. I don't think the Packers defense. We saw the Packers defense against the Giants that week, a few weeks ago. Not impressive. I think Dallas is going to run up the score on them a little bit. I think the Packers will score, but I think Dallas will get into the yeah. 30s, win the game. All right. at home. AFC. Um, Chiefs. Dolphins. In, Chiefs in Kansas negative City. five degree weather. Bingo. Yeah, if it was if it was Chiefs like with regular weather, I might lean towards Miami a little bit. With that negative five, bro, I watched guys from the Giants quit when we played in Green Bay, and we play in cold here. It's cold here. You really you saw guys quit? Oh yeah, I heard it too. Well, you mean in twenty sixteen? Yeah, 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 we didn't talk about that. I get angry. Don't get name names. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Who else? Who else? Who oh, else? Yeah. Um, game number two. Another weather game. Steelers at Buffalo. Supposed to be like 25 mile an hour winds consistently throughout. Buffalo smoke Steelers. They're going to smoke Here's them. the problem. The Steelers figure out a way to win these stupid weather games. Like they get a block punt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some guy drops a kickoff yeah. or something stupid. I, I just think the way Josh Allen has played this year. Like, he literally is going to win the game for you or lose the game for you. But if he comes out and he plays that Josh Allen stuff where he's just looking like incredible and he's he's taking care of the football, they're going to blow him out. The Bills are a much better team. Yeah. But weird things happen with the Steelers. But Josh Allen can throw three interceptions. All of a sudden, the Steelers win in overtime. I'm going Bills, too. I'm with you. I mean, how can you pick Mason Rudolph to beat Josh Allen? I mean, I just don't think you can do it. And then the final game, um, Texans. And uh, who am I? Browns. Texans hosting is the, the Browns, right? Yeah, Texans are the four seeds they're hosting. Yeah, correct. be interesting. I think the Browns, I think they're better in terms of the way Joe Flacco has been playing and the way their defense their has defense played is all phenomenal. year. 
But Stroud's been great. Stroud is good, but he's a rookie. I give it to Browns. Browns oh, going Cleveland, all right. Browns on the road. I like it. <laughs> JC, this was good, bud. Something yeah. about Flacco. Yeah, something, something about, about him, Flacco. That that. You I know mean, what? how many Super Bowl winning quarterbacks are playing right now? And I, 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 I oh, you're right. Joe Flacco, who else? You got Mahomes. Flacco's in the playoffs. Who Mahomes else? in the playoffs. Is that it? Stafford. Yeah. So Stafford. three. Yep, three. His hurts lost, right? Yep. So he's not. And that in there. means something. Yeah, so like, you got those three guys. He, yeah, like Joe Flacco's not gonna go into Houston, but like, oh, this is too big. No, he's gonna yeah. throw that ball down a field. <laughs> Were you shocked that Pete Carroll got fired, by the way? Yes. I know I'm killing you, Pearson. Shut up. Yeah. I know we're like five, seven minutes late. Hey, over. we started like five minutes late. <laughs> we did fairness. start five minutes late. Pearson's hour done. He's done. He's, no, not he's not stopping done. it. We're just going to keep going. <laughs> he is done. JC, good stuff. Enjoy <laughs> your playoff weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Yes, sir. That's all we have for Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the Giants. Let's do a two hour show for Jonathan Casillas. I'm John Schmelk. I'm off next couple days. The office is closed on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, by the way. So no show on Monday at all. I'm off tomorrow and Tuesday. I'll be back with you next Wednesday. For another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, check it us out over the weekend for all their podcasts. Thanks for being with us. See you next time. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan, and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan, starting at twenty-five dollars a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.